Ooh, I'm trying not to burp right now. Welcome to Bonehead. Yes, welcome. <laughs> we, have, we have put the mat out for you, and now we want you to walk on in and have a good time. Don't touch anything. Don't wear <laughs> mask. Yeah, oh, yeah. maybe we should do an episode where we all wear masks. I've been told it would help our ratings. Somebody posted a meme, and I thought it was pretty funny. I don't, I don't have the – well, I do have breasts, but not the kind that I need a bra. Well, I don't wear a bra. But – Someone said taking your mask mm. off as soon as you get home is is now the new taking your bra off as soon as you get home. And I'd say that's probably about right. I know I've, by the time yeah. I'm done at Kroger, I'm ready to take the damn thing off. Yeah. Rather yeah. than wear masks during the podcast, can we just play the theme song to the 80s cartoon mask? No. My, 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 my mask? That's, pre- that's a pretty awesome theme song, Joe. Is it? No yes. one, Joe, knows what li- – I know what it is. Joe's holding out for Jim because she is truly – she truly, is truly outrageous. Truly outrageous. She is. She is. By the way, that that's probably the worst performing adaptation of an 80s cartoon ever into a modern movie, right? Has anybody what? seen that? Jim. Uh, I saw 10 no. minutes of it. I didn't even know Juliette Lewis was in it until I was flipping through and saw it. I, 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 minutes of it. I, the, the people I know who are diehard Jim fans, and I do know a few, said, what is this? <laughs> so, Phil has, was, taken, Phil has taken over your, your wife's Facebook feed. Uh, James, I just want you to know he keeps commenting on her sex swing. Well, let me look at it. Well, don't do it. Oh while yeah, we're you recording. do it while no, we're recording. No, no. I no, just wanted you to just Good know. God, so man! So this episode Phil. is about sex swings and our favorite ones in film history. No, or it's about Dracula. Mary. It's, no, it's about Mary Shelley's best adaptation of Egyptian history. Dracula. Huh. Good night. Been, write, been writing that in quarantine for four days. It just came off the top of my head, so. You can't tell. All <laughs> right, so we're talking about Dracula. Let's hear and some of your, your highlights of comedy there. Well, we're, we're, now we're not. Yeah, actually, you know, we don't see each other for two weeks. We still now, don't like now, each other. Now, 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 man, now we're not talking about Dracula per se, right? We're starting with the history of Dracula. Well, the means thing, it comes before yeah, Dracula. Yeah, we're going to do a two-parter. One is going to be a little bit about the history, the history of movies, and then we're going to do the movies that we like. So, yeah. this has been on the board for quite a while. We uh, Another jab at Chad. We've been trying to get it done, and Chad's just been stopping it in, in the works the whole time. You know, that, that's, it is a joke. It is an ongoing joke, as, as, as Joe thinks it's funny. But I don't know that it's th- funny. It's not. It's right, well, it's <laughs> right up there with Egyptian Mary Shelley. <laughs> but the truth is, in terms of monsters, in terms of universal monsters, I do not – Dracula and vampires in general are my least favorite. But they're the I most. Say, I want to say they're least favorite. I, I want to say I, I might like him less than zombies. I just I do. I've never understood. Really? The mass of. I don't know. It's close. I just don't understand the mass appeal of Dracula and vampires. But, I never vampires. But what is so are, fascinating about somebody drinking something that tastes like a penny? Have you, you ever ate a penny? Blood? Have you ever ate a penny? No. It's delicious. <laughs> You hypocrite. You talk about something. That's like me comparing something to, I don't know, caviar. I ain't never had it. <laughs> Ducky Stigo ain't never had ice cream, but he figures he went like but then, it. But why are they so popular? Because clearly that's, that's the most popular monster of all time. And that's my question to you all. Why because, is it so popular? Because Frankenstein, the mummy, you know why? even the mummy. Nah, well, maybe not the mummy. I don't you know. know. You, you want to know why, honestly, why? Most yeah, of the mummy stuff people remember from the sequels. 
Yeah. But you, you want to know why they're the most popular? Why? Go for it. Well, Chad, I, I know this may come as a shock to you, and you may not have as much experience as some others, but sex. But again, you know, people say that, it? but I don't know if I agree. No, no. Uh, if you look at the history of vampirism, it is closely linked to sex. Matter of fact, a lot of them were until Bram Stoker and a few other people mess with the formula. But originally, a lot of the mythology that we now associate with vampirism were linked to women. And it was women, the, the, the story of the succubus, the story of the, it was women trying to, of course, you know, or make jokes or just roll on from succubus. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever lights your cookie. No, uh, I don't have anything funny about it. Go ahead. My dad used to say that. It's all just tragedy. It's all just tragedy. Oh, so we're talking yeah, that about is my a weird. Year. That is a weird turn of phrase. Lights your cookie. I, I think it was my dad, you know, hated uh, whatever, you know, what, and so he just made up whatever lights your He combined two things. He pulled a biff before biff pulled biffs. What is the squeaking thing going That's on at your dog, house? That's my dog. Is a hamster? <laughs> no, we moved the dog, and now the dog is in a new place, and the dog is fine being in a new place as long as I'm in the room with the dog in the new place, but I'm not in the room with the dog in the new place. I'm down here filming this so the dog i can't is tell if it's a know. bird in a cage or the little hamster in the wheel but it doesn't sound like a dog I, my dog is a real wuss i don't know how else to say that like her wines are just epic it's like having fran drescher for a pet really oh my hey. god <laughs> the most welcome. annoying va- voice of any human being ever i like I, have you heard yourself real- talk joe <laughs> Oh, I, actually, I, I, yeah, I honestly, I don't sound, I don't sound like me when I have to listen to me go back and do this. Uh, but yeah, it's still not friend Drescher. Um, poll still out on that one. <laughs> try not to smoke it. <laughs> back to Dracula. Back to Dracula. Uh, so, so Dracula, it, the mythos we tend to associate with it, the, the sucking blood, the, all of that stuff. Obviously, that built up over time, and it comes from a couple different places, going back to Greek mythology and Roman mythology and all of that stuff. And so a couple of things that I I thought I'd kick off with, because I know uh, I I like folklore. Um, It's uh, it's uh, (laughs) no take your time with your point. It it keeps dramatic pauses in in these shows. So get in. Well, first, should we put you in your rocker, get your corn cob pipe? little straw hat and rock back and forth i can't i'm not allowed to have corn cob pops anymore we'll get a harsher rating from the tvma people um but no so a couple of the history <laughs> look now we, I, I was watching something with the kids and it was something that was recorded in the 90s and it now says you know the tv rating and it says uh representations of smoking so, oh well that's probably true i don't yeah. know corn cob pipe though i i didn't know they specifically picked on the poor corn cob i never had one you know you smoke pipe after the poll. Yeah. There anyway. Go. There so, you go. So, so, Blow goats. Go. So a couple of things that pop up, and a lot of people think of the Balkans and Romania as the origin of vampire lore, but it does go back. It's been around forever. Uh, one of the first vampire stories is Felonian, uh, which was, it's in... Um, Isn't that a monk? No, that's that's Felonius. But not Isn't, well, no, it's a tube, right? Oh, God. Anyway... <laughs> 
Philanonian, actually it's Philanonian, sorry. Philanonian was a, a lady who was dead, unfortunately. No, no, wait, no, no. You got to go, she's a lady. <laughs> I can't do the mix of uh, Jerry Lewis uh, and, uh, and um, oh, 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 she's a lady. She's Tom a lady. Jones. Oh, Tom Jones, thank you. Can't, don't know why I blanked out Tom Jones. Tom anyway, Jones and his Jones. Um, Philanonian, uh, Philan, I can't pronounce it. It's it was a Greek. Get anyway, on with your fallopian too. She is. Uh, the story goes that uh, a young man was visiting this family, and he kept seeing Philanonian, uh, which was this uh, lady that would pop up, and she would leave him trinkets, and they were exchanging gifts and all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, one day, the 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 uh, matriarch of the family he was staying with came into the room and he saw the woman and screamed, you can't be here. You're dead. And sure enough, it was their daughter who had died. She had, she'd gotten married and died six months after getting married. They buried her in a tomb and all that stuff. And at first the family thinks it's just an impersonator. So they, she runs off, she disappears. They never see her again. Uh, and she goes back and she, uh, they go back to the tomb saying, we'll prove it was just an impersonator. They open the tomb, and of course, the tomb is empty. And um, the trinkets they had buried her with are the trinkets that he had been getting. And the trinkets he exchanged with her out of kind of this romantic thing are all in the tomb now. Um, and the story ends. That's how it ends. It's, they realize that she was undead. A lot of people say, well, that's a ghost story. But actually, one of the first vampire, um, Goeth or whatever, however you pronounce it, uh, Johann Wolfgang von Goeth, um, uh, his vampire story, which predates Bram Stoker, he said that's a vampire. And the reason he based it on that was the Greeks and Romans did believe that if you were a spirit, you actually drained life, usually through blood, out of those that you were around. And so a lot of the vampirism things you can trace back to stories like that because the only way you could get the gods of old, the Greek and Roman gods, to let you come back from the afterworld is if you would send them back lifeblood. And so there's some Greek and Roman things that predate, way predate, obviously, Stoker's Dracula, uh, that are like that. And, and so you see that variation continue across different cultures. So I wanted to bring that story up because if you go back and read it, a lot of people say, well, it's a ghost story. And, and a lot of experts say, well, the problem is, since the Greek and Romans believed that you had to give lifeblood to be out of the underworld, it sets up a lot of standards that we would later see adapted to the Romanian lore and everything that a lot of people know. So there you go. So when we're talking about this, and I want to go back to, thank you for your history, but I want to go back to, at, do you think then it's something in our, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, DNA? that were just attracted to this story? Does it I, all go back to a woman? Or is it just a sexuality? simple... Because Dracula, I mean, I guess it is, he's preying on their sexuality, and oh my God, he can look at them and get them all Twitter-pated to come to him. Is, is it, it all about attacking a woman's sexuality? No, well, I, I, think, I, I think it's a combination of that and the immortality aspect of it. Y'all never died. Well, I think that's... Never die! Get it on and bang gong. <laughs> Actually, clack my teeth together. That hurt. <laughs> anyway. Aren't um, you used to grinding them anyway? I am. I, I, thank you for pointing out another one of my many, many flaws. I do the same uh, thing. 
Bruxism, sir, is a problem. Uh, no, you know, I think the other part about it is, though, if you go back and look, and again, Stoker pulled in the vampire teeth and stuff like that, but none of that was in the mythology until about 100 years before he wrote it. Um, a lot of the vampires, I mean, it never dealt with how they got the blood. They just had to get it. And actually, some of them didn't go after blood, but and I'll, I'll do more history as we go along. But I think the question is valid, but I think the reason... If we go back and think about what people knew about blood and knew about things like that, I mean, you go back to the me the medical treatment of we've got to make sure your humors are aligned. We've got to make sure you're all that stuff. I mean, all people understood was if you bled too much, you died. So blood was life. They, I mean, you know, going back to the Egyptians, linking it back to that, you know, they pulled the brain out because they, well, you don't need a brain. You live because of your heart. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it was. I think that's it. I think it was. You know, uh, you're not sexy if you're dead, and blood keeps you alive. <laughs> I mean, and don't get me wrong, Joe. I'm not calling out your lifestyle, macro. <clears throat> uh, but, <laughs> but I'm not. Uh, it's but a I little harder it. these days. Yeah, so it's close to the COVID boards. Make that's it, make, terrible. Make it. Make terrible. make of that comment what you will. Um. But anyway, no, I think that's, I, I, I mean, again, you've got to put everything in its own time frame. But I think that, and I think the other thing is, is that if you look at other creatures, if you look at zombies, zombies are not attractive. They lose their, you know, they start to fall yeah. apart. That's not hot. Well, also, um, to, go ahead. But, but I mean, also, that also is with the depiction of them, too, because there's so many different variations over the centuries. Like you were just talking about, the teeth thing didn't show up to 100 years pre stoker yeah. and let's be honest stoker stole from three or four different sources right. yeah. stories yeah, that aren't, I, I mean i've got i've got it pulled up and we can talk about it in a few minutes when we get to the book the actual book but i, I think the other part about it is i mean if you look at the folklore aspect of it so before we even get to those other books i mean what people actually believed and became part of folklore uh, a couple of the creatures that fell into that um the uh some of the variants the albanians had the shatriga i'm sure i'm mispronouncing that is S -H that like stragoy is that S -H a variation and that's what I'm say. you're gonna see you're gonna see that the terminology is similar because it all came out of kind of that romanian region right the shatriga was again it was fit it was feminine it was a vampiric witch is the closest they can translate it but it it turned into a flying creature, but only an insect. So that turning into something comes from that mythology. Uh, but they turned into an insect, oddly enough, usually a moth or a fly or a bee. And the three reasons for that was moths were considered a bad sign, flies gathered at the point of death, and bees spread life. They pollinated. They did other things. Um, the Unless you're allergic to them. Poor Macaulay Culkin. He's, you know, he's just an actor, right? Like he posted on Twitter earlier today. I that is the most, that is the most painful documentary I've ever seen. <laughs> anyway, uh, the Literally, interesting yeah. part about that folklore and what made it actually more terrifying than most of the vampires that we've seen on screen and in most popular novels is that the only way you could uh, be cured is they had to willingly cure you. Okay. Um, and they, they, uh, they tended to look like, um, I love this old to middle-aged women with gray, pale blue, uh, pale green or pale blue eyes, which is actually called the Sabarda eyes. I don't know what that means. Um, 
But it's a great pizza place in the mall. That's there you go. Um, anyway, uh, the interesting part about this is some of the terminology we get, like evil eye and things like that, and the idea that vampires could control people, come from comes from this mythology, because huh. their stare could make people uncomfortable, and you couldn't look at them. So they had this Medusa type thing. If you looked at them, they could control you more or less. Um, and the way that the the way you could get rid of them. Uh, either they had to cure you, but if you didn't want them to be able to infect you, again, going back to some mythology that we've all adapted to other purposes, you had to take a pinch of salt, close your eyes, and put salt on your eyes, I don't know, and then in your mouth, and then over your heart, and then over your stomach, anywhere that they could infect, basically. So, um, yeah. Go, go finish your point. I have uh, and so, the, the and then you would throw it um, over your shoulder and, and all of that stuff. So the, uh, the, their main target though, were, uh, the people they could prey on the most, I guess I should say, um, they tended to go after men, but children. And so a lot of the mythology of things that prey on children are actually variations of this, um, a Shatirga or I, I'm sorry, Shatriga. Um, so, and that, so that's the Albanian oh, variation. Okay. Um, and so, and you've already mentioned the uh, the uh, uh, Strigoi. That's the Romanian variation of it. They were actually though they weren't considered zom or they weren't considered vampires originally. They were actually just considered troubled spirits. Is what that actually means. So back to the whole female aspect of this that I find fascinating, and the punishment of you know of women's liberation and and finding women's sexuality. Did you read anything about Lilith? Yeah, uh, I mean, I haven't. I didn't read anything, but I knew some stuff about it because Lilith yeah. has been used in comic books as a shorthand for vampires and Bordello of Blood. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, going back to Morbius, Morbius's yeah. wife was named Lilith, and she's dead, and he, and that's why he's trying to bring her back, which causes him to get infected, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's a that's a character uh, Adam's first wife that never gets mentioned again, conveniently. I have to go back. That's something I need to do. Is it actually mentioned in the Bible? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. But, uh, you know, I, and it's been, I'm, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I I'm think, not either. I think one of the things that is made, and I don't know if I remember this from somebody trying to figure it out in a sermon or if it's actually, but he's, uh, Lilith was not made from him. And that's why they were incompatible. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, another book that deals with it is, uh, is Car Carmilla. Do you, yeah, that was that was one of the later ones. It only was what about forty years before he, he wrote. Uh, yeah, it, Carmilla is a story of a female vampire. It was the first female uh, first story to have a female vampire as its protagonist. Now, there's been some antagonist ones before that. Drag, uh, Stoker does not have, even though we think of only Bram Stoker and Dracula when it comes to vampires. There was tons of these books and stories out before he ever had anything to do with it. It was uh, written by uh, Joseph Sheridan. Um, and it came out in 72, which would have been 25 years before Stoker. Hold on. Let me, uh, this is coming from uh, biblical archaeology. Uh, for 4,000 years, Lilith has wandered the earth, figuring the mythic imaginations of writers, artists, and poets. Her dark origins lie in Babylonian demonology, where amulets and incantations were used to counter the sinister power of this winged spirit who preyed on pregnant women and infants. Lilith migrated to the world of the ancient Hittites. Hiddi 
Egyptians, uh, Mesopotamians, and Sumerians. <laughs> What's he doing? What's the bitch doing in my icebox? We're working on that. If we could get together, I don't know, have dinner. I'd say not Thursday at nine-ish. <laughs> so you uh, keep going. No, no, Lilith next migrated to the world of the ancient Hittites, Egyptians, Israelites, and Greeks. She makes a solitary appearance in the Bible as a wilderness demon shunned by the prophet Isaiah. In the Middle Ages, she appears in Jewish sources as the dreadful first wife of Adam. So, so Isaiah didn't like her, but did she? He still makes her a drink because that's his job on the love boat. <laughs> he best be mixing up a drink. And, Boy, uh, that's want- Isaac. And you all did joke, but the name, the ancient name Lilith derives from a Sumerian world word for female demons of wind spirits. Uh, that makes Frazier all that more believable. <laughs> <laughs> That's an obscure joke for five of our listeners. Um, well, so you talked about some of the other sources. I want to go way, way back. I'll, I'll, I'll jump back to the mythology in a second. But actually... As far as a literary device, vampires popped up in poetry because poetry used to be novels were hard because you had to have monks write them over and over. Um, but poetry was pretty uh, common. Gutenberg, Steve By the Gutenberg way, gave Steve us Gutenberg did all that. Have we have we mentioned yet that because of James's education and background, he's our uh, he's our actual uh, poet uh, Hugh Laurie. Off the top of my head, boom. <laughs> That was supposed to be a poet laureate thing. Right? I, yeah, I got it. Was go, it? I mean, go back to anyway. your <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm ashamed of that joke. In in 1773, which is yeah. quite a long time before Stoker. Quite a long time. Up. Yeah, quite a long quite time. Quite a long time. Um, Old English, you do speak. The narrative poem. A long time. The narrative poem, which means it tells a story. That's a it's a Boston not, song, too. Been narrative poem? Quite an old time. Long time. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't well, fit it into the rhyme scheme. Anyway, I hope um, nobody's listening to this to learn something. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm presenting history. I'm presenting history. Y'all just anyway. <laughs> Oddly enough, also of interest to anybody that's a Edgar Allan Poe fan, <laughs> 1773 poem Lenore. Nicholas Cage into this before it's over. He was a vampire. <laughs> Vampires. Anyway, but you uh, know what Nicholas Cage didn't do, Joe? Save color out of space. Oh, no. No, bang his cousin and die in a ditch. That's true. Uh, anyway, well, Lenore, which is not written by Edgar Allan Poe, but I, you, you probably can assume Edgar Allan Poe may have read this poem to get the origin of the name. Lenore was by Gottfried August Berger, and it is a narrative poem, and one of the lines that actually is quoted by Stoker directly in Dracula yeah. is... I, I'm going to get this wrong because it's in German. Den die Totten Reiten Schnell. You should have done dead. it with more anger. I know. I, that's where my German goes wrong. I'm not angry enough. Um, <laughs> for, the dead ride fa- for the dead ride fast. Uh, it's, it's taken directly from that poem. And it is a basically a German poem exploring Lenore, who is an undead being that constantly has to seek a lover. And what's the huh. name of that? Can you email me that? I'd really like to read it. Yeah, Lenore. I'm not joking. <laughs> Lenore. <laughs> Just pick up a Poe thing and go, oh, yeah, it was Lenore. He was talking about Lenore. I'll be sitting there going, I can't find the damn thing written by the Raven. <laughs> As I like, oh, all, I got was, all I got was this book called Ka, Ka. <laughs> I kept waiting for Bang Bang. <laughs> um, anyway, the, 
Well, uh, I'm the dead. Caca thing made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. Okay, I got I got where you're from. Anyway, um, there was another <laughs> German. Caca made me laugh. <laughs> another German poem by Johannes Wolfgang von Goethe. Goethe I'll just call him JP. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, called the Bride of Corinth because Corinth is known for its letter leather. Um, <laughs> and it is also a vampire narrative poem here's an excerpt from it from my grave to wonder i am forced still to seek the god's long severed link still to love the bridegroom i have lost and the life but blood of his heart to drink the life bud the life, life but. Blood. <laughs> listen i am not known for my readings you anyway, teach uh, and People. I don't, just end I don't do it while reading from a book. I do it from knowledge stored up in my head. <laughs> okay, point taken. They pay you for that? <clears throat> Pretty well, actually. I mean, not, it's, okay, I mean, education faculty. I'm not an engineering faculty, but I do okay. Anyway. You have to be able to afford a six swing for your wife. <laughs> a six swing? Sex swing is what I meant to say. <laughs> no, you didn't. Uh, anyway, uh, so that, those were all in, you know, the, the, uh, 18th century the 1700s we get to the vampire by yeah, 1819 yeah. that's vampire with a y by the way yes you know the history of that one that's actually i, I learned something doing this i'd heard of the vampire uh, i think chad and I just go ahead and log off and let you finish this one out chad was and he was worried we didn't have enough history i actually this one i knew the story of the we've vampire. known each other for 20 years uh <laughs> The vampire, I, I knew the name, I knew, but I didn't know the history of it. It's actually tied to the writing of Frankenstein. What? 1819, John William Poldori uh -huh. is part of a contest between Poldori, Mary Shelley, Lord Byron, and Percy Shelley to write the best horror story. <laughs> so Lord Byron had his pet bear. And with the last 24 hours, this is the second time this is this instance has come up in conversation in my life. About Mary Shelley? About and the actual of them, the competition. This is in within 24, well, 25 hours. This is the second time this has come up. Right. Well, here's so here's the kind of side of that. So did it really happen? Uh, Yes. Yes. The competition. Yes. And they were they were they were stoned it out was, of their minds. And it was so raining. The, the reason the reason that it Most happened, friends? the reason that it serious. happened was the weather was so bad. If you go back and look at this time, it was the 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 weather was terrible. It wouldn't stop raining, and the temperature was lower than it should be in the summer. So they pretty much locked themselves up, or they they weren't locked up, but they they couldn't really travel easily. They couldn't do anything. So they said, well, you got to do something. And so they had a competition to see who could write something because they were all, you know, snobby right. rich people. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the other thing. They're all privileged. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, I, it was like it was like a whole weekend of a drunken stupor and whatever drugs they had back then. And then they said, oh, let's do this I, writing I, I, competition. Was, I'm not being facetious. I was wondering if it was mushrooms, hallucinogens. I, I need to look into that. I don't remember what drugs it was. But, I almost they, said barbiturates. And I'm like, wait, that's not true. <laughs> next, they were doing bennies. Bennies. They were on bennies. The next question is, can I have some? <laughs> um, but, but this actually is, this may help you. As far as the modern well, rope, well, maybe. Probably. But as far as your question about when did they become sexy and all of that, the vampire is probably the first example of a sexy male vampire. Because um, the vampire uh, is, uh, the story of the vampire, again with a Y, is that of Aubrey, a young Englishman, who meets Lord Ruthven. 
a man of mysterious origins who has entered London society. Aubrey accompanies Ruthven to Rome, but leaves him after Ruthven seduces the daughter of a mutual acquaintance. This goes on and on. As told first person, if you read The Vampire, you may look at Stoker a little bit differently because it's told first person. Yeah. He seduces women. He, you know, drinks their blood and all of that stuff. And then the that's always uh, that's James's and all that. Yeah, and all, it's all that. that. Yeah, he does that, that stuff, Cedra, and all that stuff. The difference is he seduces two women at once. Like you know, Dracula preyed on him, finished him, and then moved on. No, he seduced the sister of somebody as he went. Like it was like I've got your sister, and I'm going to get her too. I like and I'm this just, guy, and I'm just going to use a different name. I'll be Lord Ruthven here. Uh, over there, I'll be I don't know Charles or something. Um, uh, the sister ends up driving the sister to a nervous breakdown and then does all this stuff on the wedding night. I'm skipping ahead because I know y'all no, don't care about the details. All this stuff. On the wedding night, of course, the bride is discovered dead uh. and drained of all blood. And Lord Ruthven has vanished. And that's the end of the novel. Like he's out there. He's, he's free. He's good to go. And that's, that's a character that if you like vampire fiction, you've probably seen pop up in some places. If you read a lot, because Everybody looks for a Dracula reference, but it's a shorthand to see how big of a vampire fan you are. Uh, if there's Anno Dracula, the, the novel series is, you know, if, if Dracula was real and he took over America or, you know, he came to America and did all that stuff, there was an Anno Dracula series and Lord Ruthven becomes the prime minister of England. Yeah. And if you don't know the vampire, you don't get why that's so significant. He's always been out there and he predates Dracula. Um, Another precursor, and this is the one I said I would tell you where the teeth thing comes from. This has to be the worst name now for a, uh, a vampire work. I'm talking, of course, Varney the Vampire. Know what I mean, Vern? Seriously? Varney, yeah, look at that. Varney the Vampire. It's the longest, during this time period, longest vampire novel. The reason for that was there's two different authors that's credited for it. It was done as a, it was a penny dreadful type thing. They just published a chapter a week, but they got paid by the word or by the page. Oh. And so it ends up being the most recent printing of it was still 876 pages for the modern update of it. The important part about this is it tells, it follows Sir Francis Varney who goes through different things and it's actually creates the first sympathetic vampire. He doesn't like the fact he's a monster. Now he still preys on women. Don't get me wrong. He's going to do that. But at one point he throws himself into Mount Vesuvius trying to kill himself. Uh, he does all these things and he dies multiple times in it and they always bring him back. And matter of fact, and at one point they bring him back like Frankenstein, they electrocute him. So, the, the important part about that is, real quick, though, is um, it, it was the first one to actually talk about the fangs. It was the first one to say they had sharpened fangs, and that's how they drained the blood. Bef because before that, Lord Ruthven looked like anybody else, except he was, you know, attractive. He didn't look like me. Well, that's another interesting part. So let's skip ahead a little bit to the book. He was not attractive in the book. He's a big, furry kind of guy. Well, and, and that goes back to so a lot of the mythology, and you mentioned the Strigoi. If you go back to that, the Strigoi also were kind of werewolves. And so there was this overlapping, and if because vampire, uh, Dracula does transform into bats is what we normally think of because of the movies, but he also does wolves. Yeah. Children right. of the night, what music they make. And if, if you read the full history 
of the the Strigoi, they were originally troubled spirits who had issues with the grave. They could transform into animals. They could become invisible. Again, a lot of stuff, mist and stuff like that, that Stoker used. Um, but the actual cases, quote unquote, that are documented of actual Strigoi's um, come from, you know, the 1600s, 1500s and 1600s. And if you're really interested in this, the medical records, I, I put that in quotes um, because we would not say these were overly great medical records. But the way they actually treated these people, uh, there was our, a Carnelian scientist, Jonas Voxard Valsvor, and he actually wrote about how they had to get rid of them, um, doing things like, uh, you know, taking them apart, uh, cutting their hearts in half, stuffing their mouth full of garlic, things that we'd again show up in uh, that. But um, they tended to actually be more associated with uh, witches and warlocks but they had more of the animal tendencies. And then the one that had a, a much more, and much more like Stoker talked about the other mythology he pulled from, and I'm going to get this, uh, this is again going to be mispronounced, but it's Greek. It's Verocalus, uh, which were also called the Vorvoclacus. And the okay, Verdugo. Do you mind saying that again after you, you, you okay, so you cleared your throat. So what was the word? <laughs> the Verocalus. B-R-Y-K-O-L-A-K-A-S. Um, these were undead creatures that, again, they took on animal things. The interesting part about them is they didn't just drink blood. They actually ate flesh. And their favorite thing to eat were livers. Uh-huh. But they were known to be, getting to your point about Stoker's description of Dracula, they were extremely furry, hairy. Uh, and they got linked in a lot of ways to these ideas of what we would now consider werewolfism. Um, and they were not overly attractive and this is i think he describes dracula in this way this is a description of somebody that quote unquote witnessed a veraculus in uh history uh they were known to be roaming about and let's see they look they looked fresh so they weren't decaying but they were gorged with new blood so they were really puffy um and they were ruddy complected uh facial hair um all of that stuff and matter of fact, the, the story about that, and again, this goes to Dracula. Dracula couldn't come in. Vampires can't come in unless they're invited. That's actually a variation of the Veraculus. The Veraculus, and there are still some areas of Greek uh, Greek societies where they still do this. Well, did James just describe a Care Bear? If you, if you knock on a door. Knock uh, on our door. And you answer after one knock. So if you hear knock and you answer immediately, they can come in. But if, if you, you knock, house, knock, that's heaven's door. That's exactly right. Actually, if they knock, if nobody responds immediately, they lose some of their power. Oh. And so, again, these are actual historical things that historical, again, belief systems that people documented that we see pop up in Stoker. And so, as Joe was saying, he pulled. I don't remember what the hell I was saying. We're talking he, about the fact that he wasn't the 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 charismatic Lothario. He's not attractive now, as far as the description. And another thing that's slightly bullshit. So, and I know I know we're going to talk about this in part two. So even Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula, he doesn't look like that. Isn't how he's described in the book either. No. He's, he's very fact, Hungarian. There's a few. Yeah, he's a he's a big furry Hungarian with a big mustache. The thing that. Uh, that the new series and we'll talk about this later that on the net that the netflix series got right sort of 
is the baby. There's a scene in it, not that they turns a baby into a vampire, but that they ate babies, right? Most of them, because yeah. we'll talk about this more. With, right? Well, we might as well talk about it now a little bit. Is that the movie is basically the stage ad- adaptation. Every kind of Dracula movie you see was really the stage adaptation that was very popular that became mm-hmm. the movie. It's not necessarily, it's not an adaptation. It's not an adaptation of Bram Stoker's book as much as it was as a stage play. Which is why Bela Lugosi, because he'd already been doing it on stage. Right, right, right. So one of the things I always find fascinating that I found, and I didn't know this much, is, you know, when you're doing the history of how Bram Stoker wrote the book, what was Bram Stoker interested in, there's a couple of things that I find fascinating. The first thing is, is that, so for years, I read a book in seventh or eighth grade, a little bit about the history and the making and um, about Bram Stoker writing the book. And this is maybe what they now think is pretty much bullshit is that it's, you read a book, Chad, you read a book. And then it's actually based on (laughs) Vlad, Vlad the third, by the way, uh, which was Vlad two was Dracul dragon and Dracula's son of the dragon. That's where Vlad Tepes, Vlad Tepes, right. And Vlad the Impaler. So a lot of people think that that's where it's based on. And there's actual evidence that that was two lazy researchers in 1970 and pop culture just took hold of that. Right. That a lot of what this comes from is that according to Dracula Sense of Nonsense by Elizabeth Miller, Stoker read a book about Wallachia or Wallachia. I'm not for sure how to pronounce it. I apologize, everybody. It did not mention Vlad III. Stoker was struck by the word Dracula. He wrote it in his notes. And a Wallachian language means devil. And it therefore is likely that Stoker just chose the name because the character for Dracula for the world's most devilish associations. Do you well, find that fascinating? Well, I was going to say, and one of the things you have to keep in mind is what was because going on. Because the actual Vlad Tepish never, ever presided in Transylvania to their knowledge. Well, yeah, and if you, if you and look at And he never lived in that castle when you go to Transylvania. Yeah. That they say it's just a cool-looking castle. He never... To most historians agree he never stepped foot there and i mean and honestly too in terms of historic history he is such a minor minor character in the, in the grand scheme even of history exist if it hadn't been we wouldn't even be talking about it if it wasn't for dracula and Bram stoker right and the connection yeah he impaled people but honestly there was tons of people impaling at that time so and they I mean, were all they were all fighting the ottomans Right. This is all about war. because they really wanted to rest their legs. <laughs> but did you guys know that? I found whole that empire of yeah. Lazy and I didn't bastards. really get. I didn't really know. I just kind of accepted that. But it, it turns out it's mainly just bullshit. Yeah, I kind of, I, I was honestly I I just accepted the fact that Dracula was Vlad Tepes, Vlad the Impaler. So Google it. I there's another interesting article that Time Magazine did, and I can't sit here and read it all. But the problem is, is that it's 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 really detailed. So James, and I'm picking on James instead of you, Chad, just simply because Chad James says he's read books. And you, know, you and I have not all of them. There's a lot of them. Brom Stoker claimed that parts hey, of Dracula I can do a highlights real. magazine. Here's what we know about the story behind the novel. And this is by Doc Cray Stoker and JD Barker. Now, if you think, Oh my God, they have the last same last name. Yes, it is a descendant. Um, a 40 in summer of 80, 1890, sorry, that wouldn't have been too far away. A 45-year-old Bram Stoker entered the subscription library in Whitby, England, and requested a specific title, The Accounts and Principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia. 
by William Wilkinson. Which gets used in a lot of references, Moldavia. 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 From the beginning of way to Whitby Harbor, where he spoke to several members of the Royal Coast Guard, they provided details of a sailing vessel. Can I cut you off? Yeah. If you say the word again, you have to say it like this. Whippee! What? Command me, Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like he's saying the library. Whippee! Whippee! Go ahead. Uh, vessel. It was the Dimitri, not the Demeter, that oh. ran around a few years earlier on the beach inside the protective harbor. Only a handful of the remaining crew alive. The ship, which originated in Varna, an Eastern European port, was con- containing was carrying a mysterious cargo. Can you guys guess what that cargo was? Dead people. Crates of earth. With dead people. <laughs> They saw, when they were investigating, they saw a large black dog consistent with a Yorkshire myth of a beast known as Barghest escape from the hull. B-R-Guest. B-R-Guest. Right. If we sing anymore, we'll get sued. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so, basically, he had breakfast at four months earlier uh, with a guy at a beefsteak club in Lyceum Theater, and he, his friend, Arm, Arm, Arminius Vambry, told him of the book, which is, direct, which is about this Wallachian language and the devil. And he basically took a lot of stuff that he'd been thinking of and molded them all together. And it kind of all came together over several months. Well, I, I was about to say it. And one from of the what things, they can tell from his journal. Now, Bram Stoker also said that several parts of this book were real and based on some real people. There's also, I don't know if he was a good salesman or if he actually believed it or if these people... Well, well it's like ghosts. So I won't... Two, one, two out of the three boneheads don't believe in ghosts. I won't... I won't go ahead and say which of the other one is, but I really wish I could have a ghost appear behind me and be like, "Huh, and, and I've been told many ghost stories. The three of us have been told many ghost stories. I have a lot of people, a lot of friends, a lot of acquaintances who believe in ghosts, and they always tell me, "I was like, well, if you were only there." And I, it, I never doubt their sincerity and their honesty. I don't doubt that they don't believe. Makes sense to you? So I wonder if he believed these people. Well, I was about to say, and one, stories or something. one of the things, if you do listen to Lore, the podcast, and, and there's actually an Amazon episode where they made it as a show for a while, and mm-hmm. they have it acted out. Um, Mercy it's still a show, it? James. Well, no, that they, they're they not getting a third or fourth season. Oh, whichever not, season no. now is. Okay. Uh, but it probably but, still exists. Well, yeah, but the you won't get two. new ones. But Mercy, was her name Mercy? I want to say Mercy Brown. Was the first American vampire, quote unquote. <laughs> no, it was Murphy Brown. <laughs> No, it was not. It was Ira. 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 Ira, Ira would have put an end to that. Would have staked her. Anyway, uh, I, it's Mercy is the first name. But if you watch the episode, and I do recommend if you have Amazon Prime, watch Lore. Um, I would love to. I've never gotten around to it. The historian that does that, or that he's now got a team of historians that work for him, he started on his own. Uh, this is, by the way, Lord uh, Joe, that's a podcast that, unlike this one, is successful. It's successful. <laughs> I mean, they shorter. Got, a lot shorter. Got, uh, not is some it really? Of How some of them, some of them are a little bit long. 30 to 45 minutes. Yeah, well, you know anyway. what Lore isn't? This will piss off Lore. Joe Rogan. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I think Aaron Minke's okay with that. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, but anyway, uh, 
you said it was based on actual people. The the actual story. So I, I don't want to rehash it because you really should. It's look made into this. of people. But the tuberculosis was going around killing people, right? Yeah. And and Chad there, just shot himself in the head. A lot of people died. We heard nothing. Uh, <laughs> Mike he was muted. He I'm used back. a silencer. <laughs> He's a zombie. <laughs> No, I'm a Dracula. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I need you to put an ER on the end of that, sir. When you Dracula. He's a Dracula. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. Um, that, so the, they were considered the first one. And the reason I bring that up is the news copy, because the family was finally convinced by this old world person to dig up the body because it was believed that she was preying on the family members and that's why they were dying. Again, we know now that's called the spread of germs. But because she was buried during the winter, she looked very much still alive, like she had not started to decay. And so it started the mythology. Stoker did have news clippings about her case in his files. So that may have been what he was saying when it was. There are several. Well, he says, he says Harker and Mina and a couple of uh, Van Helsing are based on real people. According to this time article, like I said, Google it, look it up. Well, and I was going to say, if I go back. But I want to get to another part of it as well that I found fascinating is that Dracula is abridged. Their editor cut a lot of Dracula before they'd publish it. And I want to talk to you. Do you guys know this? No. Okay, cool. What do you mean I can't minimize? Sorry. You will not minimize me, sir. <laughs> Why not? People have been doing it years. Well, that's true. I uh, did not intend to Dracula service fiction, but as a warning of very evil evil. I don't know that I agree with that. But because of his editor did not want to present the work as an as a true story. So Otto Killam of Archibald Constable and Company returned the manuscript with a single word, no. He went on to explain that London was still recovering from a state of horrible murders that were happening in this one place. James, you want to take a guess where it was? Would that be Whitechapel, White Jim? That's right. And the last thing we wanted to do Why was did James have to guess that? I know Van, I know Whitechapel. He was there. He, he was, was there, there. when was it there. happened. Where have you been, sir, for the last 120 years? Where you ever see, the, you ever see that Star Trek episode with Red Jack in it? I was going to say, I got, I, got, I got one of those long-lasting cases of chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't publish such a story without running the risk of generating mass panic. The, model, the novel was finally released on May 26, and the first 101 pages had been cut. And numerous alterations had been made to the text. An epilogue had been shortened, changing Dracula's ultimate fate as well as one of his, as that of his castle. And tens of thousands of words had vanished. Um, so in the 18, 1980s, the original Dracula manuscript was discovered in a barn in rural northwestern Pennsylvania. Did you guys aware of any of this? Nobody knows how it made its way across there. But do you know who bought it and owned it as a, at the time of his death? Paul mm -hmm. Allen. And actually, where it starts on page 102, Dracula, Jonathan Harker's Journey on the Train, that's actually 102 pages into it. So it, it, that's in the heart and thick of it. What was the first 101 pages and what was considered too real and too frightening for publication? Now, there's parts of it that were, that were published with other books. So, for example, um, he let, 
hold on for one second. Iceland title was Macht Merkrana or Power of Darkness. And the first edition, Brand left not only his original preface intact, but parts of the original story outside of the reach of the UK publisher. So depending on where you were getting the book, if it was outside of the reach of the UK publisher, it had the other parts of the story intact. But I wasn't aware of any of this either. What about you all? Well, I was about to say, uh, uh, not that that's unusual. It happens all the time. I mean, the stand, Stephen King's The Stand, was shortened shortened by three or four hundred pages. But you can find the extended. I own it. It's over there on a shelf. We know about it. It's because it's recent recent history. But don't you think we, sh- the three gentlemen here now talking, should have known about this? Does it seem odd? Well, I. My entire thing is the more I learn about the mythology, the less impressed I am with Stoker in general. Um, but he is oh, he amped it up. of his day. And what I mean by that is he took existing yeah. cliches or genres, put them together into some sort of blender that works and is entertaining as hell. Well, and I was going to say, and, and so you mentioned nothing- Carmilla earlier. And Carmilla was by the way if if you're not aware Carmilla Carmilla predated is it Camilla it's Camilla it's It's Carmilla it's Carmilla I'm talking about Gonzo yeah 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 yeah. but Carmilla the which Joe referenced earlier was a big deal because she also was the it was never obviously flat out said because of the time period it was written it predated Dracula by 20 years 1872 um but it was she was a lesbian vampire. She's a lesbian. Yeah, that was she, what was she preyed on women. But the the interesting part about that is that um, a lot of the pieces that later on Stoker used, who is she being hunted by? She's being hunted by Baron uh, Vardenberg, which is it was it was uh, you know Doctor Helfen yeah. uh, and all that. So I mean, a lot of the tropes. He played with tropes, but you're right. He Quentin Tarantino is. He 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 took the and tropes. And I'm not taking anything away from Bram Stoker Tarantino. It's just no. if you're a fan of Tarantino, you know that he's a fantastic filmmaker, fantastic writer. He just takes things and puts them in a blender, and you see them through Tarantino's eyes, and that makes it extremely entertaining as a point of view. Like with most great filmmakers, it makes it wonderful to watch. I love Tarantino movies. I'm not knocking Tarantino before anybody gets pissed. Just saying, uh, over here is Mr. White, Mr. Pink, Mr. Blue, was used 20-some years ago in a little movie called Chad. It's called Chad? No, I never heard of it. Taking your uh, Pelham one, two, three. I know. Six. You had one, two, and three at six. But if less, you know, I didn't know that for years. No, I didn't no. Know it's yeah. years so I finally saw Taking Pelham one because I never watched it till I was in the until I was older. I knew Reservoir Dogs. But you know, one one of the things, and so you're talking about the Hungarian appearance of the way he's described as being foreign and everything. Something that is lost on a lot of modern readers, and like I said, we'll get to our favorite adaptions in the next episode, but when Dracula came out, it was also read in a way we don't read it now, and it's a way we don't read it now because we are trained not to read it that way, as <clears throat> sorry, as we should be. Which is? It, it was to warn you about foreigners. <laughs> yeah probably his great great blah 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 talks about you know his will his warning of evil uh dr gordon uh wrote an article i don't have his first name sorry um but he says you got you can look at this and if and people at the time that would have read it would have picked up on this uh when he meets the brides 
when when uh, the brides come out. Near the beginning of the uh, novel, these two themes are seemingly spawned together with the introduction of the so-called Brides of Dracula. By analyzing the brides in their introduction, as well as their other appearances, one can see that Stoker's ideas on the fear of Eastern immigration and the way women uh, would be treated are intertwined and should be viewed as such. And in juxtaposing these brides with Western women found later in the novel, Mina Harker and Lucy Westernata, or Rester, sorry. Uh, anyway, it can be said that Stoker's views viewed Victorian women as already withholding radical traits of the new woman and that Eastern immigration simply brings these traits to the forefront in the form of the risk of new women. Uh, and if you read the description of the brides, quote, this is from Stoker's text. I think we call it today strange. Uh, two of the brides were dark and had high aquiline noses like the count. They were masculine like the count. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see. Uh, let's see. Uh, um, thus, two of the three brides contain physical thra- uh, thra- traits linking them to the embodiment of the novel's easternmost evil, Dracula. So, this idea of the urging of evil—it was—it would have been read at the time by the people who were paying attention to that sort of thing as saying we should fear foreigners. Foreigners are going to come and they're going to take our women. And they're going to make our women their women, and we can't have that. And so. I'm not saying we should read that now. One of the great thing about literary analysis is we can take a work that is dated and, and quite frankly, if we still read it that way, that makes it not effective. We now read Dracula differently and that's fine. But I think it's important to step back and say that Stoker was also, he wouldn't have been pro-immigration, let's put it that way. Probably not, no. He was of a certain class that feared immigration. Absolutely. And not much has changed in 140 years. Boy, we ever got silent. All right, then fine. We won't talk about politics. Or xenophobia. Xenophobia. That's where you're afraid of xenomorphs. Them damn aliens ain't coming to take my baby. Well, they did. I was going to say you're, you're a fear of warrior princesses. No, I don't have any fear of them. They can tackle me anytime. More silence. All More right. silence. So right, no, I, was, I don't have anything to add other than it is important to know that if you read the work and you, real, and you think about you know, the fear of foreigners and you have approach it that way, you'll notice a lot of stuff in there about his thoughts on people from outside of his group. Well, in Dracula, the novel is also written And James, can you talk a little bit about it as far as the letters that was a popular, but wouldn't that be coming towards the end of the popularity of writing a book in letter form? Yeah. Well, I think one of the things, yeah, when I mean, did that end becoming a popular way of doing it. What uh, all that? A, uh, well, I think um, the the uh, sorry, I'm, I love putting him on the spot. James, tell me that you learned something. <laughs> Come on, Hugh Lower. A lot. Uh, <laughs> or it wasn't funny that first, but it was funny the second. I don't I don't know why, but it was it's funny a joke that second. builds up over time. Yeah, just um, like Hugh Laurie. Yeah. So that is it's called. Never, it's never lupus. He's a good musician. <laughs> He's a good musician. If you could see Hugh Laurie in his band live at. There, there is a tradition, as Joe is right, and they're they're often referred to as a, a pistol. I hate this word. Frank has hate, written the same way. I hate this or no epistolary, 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 which means it's told through documents, so letters, right. etc. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Frankenstein was written the same way too. And there's yeah, yeah. all sorts of them. I mean, it goes back to Sir Charles Grandison. It goes back to so it's not. It wasn't just a horror trope or anything. I can see it was James the on the screen twice. 
you you're having a stroke. That's called double vision. I would now pick Chad up a can phone. see him twice. He's right mm-hmm. over Chad's shoulder. I'm sorry. Anyway, mm. I'm your conscious, Chad. Kill. Kill. Anyway, um, done. Anyway, no. So yeah, it was it was an epistolary novel it, t- told through documents. And you're right. I mean, that Sir Charles Grandison, I think, was. Uh, I'm trying to actually find out when that work came out because. It was old. I mean, that's, I had to read. That's the early leg. Seventeen fifty-three. Seventeen fifty-three was, and, and that's an example. We're talking one hundred and forty years later. Yeah. So, but it was also one of those things that, much like people now, uh, will pull back. You know, well, we talked about Tarantino. Tarantino did a throwback to something thirty so would that have been years a throwback ago. in eighteen ninety. <laughs> it would have given you here. a certain amount of clout. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it was like, oh, he, no, I've never had it, but I can. I've heard other he's, people. He's have writing it. in the epistolary fashion, you know, much like the blah, 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 you know the greats of the time, and that's one of the things. Like I mentioned, Sir Charles Grandison. Has anybody besides me read that particular work? Nope. No. Don't. don't. It's a terrible. By the way, Sir Charles Grandison. Just hold on, James. Done and done. <laughs> Sir Charles Grandison. <laughs> I'll put it in my queue. His last name is Grandison. Do you want to know something about him? He everything he does phrase, is grandiose. Everything he does is great, and it's a romance, and it's oh, Sir Charles, and it's yeah, it's, I, it's not my cup of tea. I read it for a uh, uh, a um, British lit course that I took to be a, an English teacher, and I didn't do that for too long. That being said, I, I do know a lot about epistolary novels. So yeah, that's the one that came to mind, and and there's some I think. Uh, uh, Fieldings, Tom Jones uh, uses some of that. So yeah, Joe's absolutely right. That was a that was in fashion, but it was a way to harken back to something that was before. By the time Stoker did it, so you're it right though. Curious. It would have been it would have been old hat for lack of a better term. Sure, yeah, it's a curious thing to me. Like you were talking about, so looking at things historically through that time, through that eyeglass, through that period, and I, I you. I clearly don't have an expert here. No offense to any of the three of us, but I thought I'd ask you because I was curious to see wouldn't that have been old hat then? So yeah, thank I mean you, it would James, have been. for for I need to talk I, to somebody about that who who would know more than us because clearly I, we shouldn't be talking about that. No, no, I mean I I don't know the pure lineage of it, but yes, no. if you want to know, I I, I had enough. I have I had enough English training to teach high school English, and I think right. I actually can do pretty well still at that. But that is not I can't give you the full history of the epistolary novel. So, the book hey, Chad, was Chad epistolary, what? epistolary. <laughs> the book was a little chopped up. wasn't exactly what he wrote. What we think of as far as the movie, specifically when we're talking about the Universal horror film Dracula, and by the way. That's not when we do episode two. I'm assuming Chad's on the same boat I am. That is actually not where I want to start. Nope. Right? Right. We're going to get Deutsch up in here. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a little more interesting. We all agree, though, most people, when they think of Dracula, who haven't read it, they're thinking of the stage play that was really famous. Yeah. And let's let's go back to why why is dracula and vampires the most popular because well, i've been well, thinking i've been thinking well, why about is dracula this. most out of all the vampires why do we drag because we just rattled off five well, or six throughout well, history because he's the, the the he's the biggest in terms of pop culture even then i mean the 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 book was mad was huge i mean it's what started i mean well, there had been stories before but what 
I was making a joke. It wasn't funny. Oh, but no. Do you think the reason why Dracula and vampires themselves are so worshipped is because in reality they're the most human? Yeah. I mean, you know, for example, you know, yeah, Mary Shelley's version of Frankenstein is pretty much human. But, you know, now we're all, you know, we now envision him with the big green hat, the green, big green head. My Dracula Wolf- is next to my Frankenstein. Yeah. Wolfman, you know. Walmarts. Wolfman's a, Wolfman's a dog. I mean, granted, furries are big now, so maybe he might get a resurgence. But, you know. Well, uh, I, I, think that, I think the thing is, though, is uh, I think you're right. I think that if I became a vampire today, I'd be shocked as hell. But... <laughs> But on top of the, that, you've already got the pale thing going. So. Well, and I got That's the. True. I'm working on the good widows. And you've already got the that. furry and Hungarian and big mustache. This is for the folks who listen and don't watch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're going to be shocked. As I actually, they what they don't know is I have a Doctor Robotnik mustache that actually comes off my face. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I, I think you're right though, Chad. I think it's because if I become a wolf man. I'm human most of the time, but when I'm not human, I'm complete. Nobody's going to mistake me. And you don't have control over your actions. You don't have control. You're a killing machine. The Invisible Man, yeah, he has this great power, but he's not seen. He's, you can't, yeah. he's, he's an unseen force. You can't see the Invisible Man? <laughs> you shot the Invisible Man. I said Invisible Man. Uh, I, got I got it. Uh, no, uh, uh, I can't see the Invisible Man. <laughs> But I really think that's probably where Dracula and the vampires are so popular is just because they're the only ones that are recognizable. Well, it's real. Yeah, in, in terms of when you look in a mirror, granted, can't see yourself in a reflection, but, you know. I, when we get, if we're getting close to wrapping up, I want to do, I want to say one thing that, that the great filmmaker, well, he's a good filmmaker. He made my favorite werewolf film of all time, John Landis. And this story was told by Max Landis. Yeah. Uh, and I read, I don't know if I've told you, I'm sure I have before. Max Landis, when he was a child, is a screenwriter. Well, he was a screenwriter. I don't know what he's doing now. Seems he got a little trouble a couple of years ago. But Max Landis, when he was a child, said he was asking his father, John Landis, who directed American Werewolf in London, and an underrated vampire movie I like quite a bit called Innocent Blood. Uh-huh. So I think it was about vampires. Uh, so can, why can't a vampire do this? And why can't a vampire do that? Now I want you to think of a man looking at his, let's say nine, 10 year old son, asking his questions. He goes, all right, you want to know why they can do anything they can dad. Yeah. Why? Cause it's all fucking make believe, <laughs> <laughs> but it answers every question that we have as far as why can't they look in a mirror? Why can't they look in a mirror? Why can't they not look at crosses? Cause you just make it up. And whatever the rules that you make up in your particular story, you follow and people will follow. They get pissy when you break the rule set in your own story. So if right. your story is vampires can sit there and shave, then people will believe it. Agreed gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. As long as you don't break that rule. So, for example, we can get into Anne Rice. Anne Rice, there's even a great line. At, well, I'm assuming, I think I read the book. I can't remember. I own the book. I'm pretty sure. As I'm, I, He says, I'm f- awfully fond of looking at crosses. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, the, I think that's one of the things about, and again, I think Chad's right. I think it's because they are the most human monsters. And I think it also gets to the, no matter Sorry, how, I just saw your message. no matter how good of a person you are, no matter how holy you may be, 
we all have these compulsions, right? Like, right. Uh, this may shock you. I've been known to overeat. Uh, and so, you know, we all have these things that pop up and that we may do and that we, we, we have a tendency to, and, and I think that, you know, yeah, okay, mine's not drinking blood, but I do enjoy a pizza. Uh, so, you lost me. So What's I think the difference between right? blood and it, pizza? It lets us, Can we do a movie called Blood and Pizza? About $7. Oh, yeah, it'll be great. Here's the plot to Blood and Pizzas. Let's write this right now. Okay, <laughs> see, there's this guy. We'll call him, I don't know, Eduardo. Eduardo owns a pizza shop, becomes a vampire, and he starts mixing blood in with the sauce, and it gets really popular. But then he can't serve garlic anymore on the pizza, you see, because he's a vampire. And then, oh, we'll just have larks. It'll be a good time. Tricky. Tricky, yeah, tricky. yeah. So, what do you do? But he starts mixing in blood with the sauce, and that's that's blood and pizza. Uh, literally, short film. Pay us to make it. Uh, we'll have it on your desk within a week. But you can make up your own rules, and everybody has borrowed and cheated the whole time throughout the centuries for vampires up until we. Chad's right, Dracula. Dracula is the most recognizable. It's the one we always follow. It's the one that most people on the street, if you stop them and you start asking them rules about vampires, they got it from where? Dracula. Dracula. Well, they and didn't he, get it from the book. No. Not they really. got it from the movie. Because did he have all, played. he didn't have all these weaknesses in the book, right? Not no. a lot of, I don't think, I mean, he could walk in the day. I think that's the one thing that Coppola's version gets right is he can walk in the daytime. He just doesn't have as much power, right? Yeah, right. yeah he's weakened. He's weakened during the day. Which well, means he's, he's more like us. That's a commentary in of itself, right? If he's right. in the sun, he's like us. He's weaker. He's not to, not to, again, borrow from Quentin Tarantino, but that line from Kill Bill, Clark Kent is Superman's commentary on humanity. Dracula in the daylight is Stoker's commentary on us. Yeah. I agree with Chad to a certain extent. It's probably vampires in general are the most overused creature of all time. And as much as we try to explain why we love them and why we are attracted to them and why Dracula is still so obviously important to pop culture i mean we just got a huge netflix three-part series it was almost six hours well it was five hours long and for the most part four hours and a half of it didn't suck right just the last 20 minutes god bless america what a shit storm but do you think possibly that one of the reasons is exactly what you've already said it can be what we want it to be I, I love, and I, I'll talk about this later. I don't want to give anything away. But how many times have we seen vampire films where they don't suck blood, but they take something else? Where you have this element of because even going back, well, and, they and take this, the life force or something. Are you, are you yeah, they do something. But yeah, yeah the, the I mean, there's even an Edgar Allan Poe story, which again predates Stoker, where it's um, the man is painting his wife's portrait and paints the life out of her. Like the painting, because when the, the the narrator discovers this castle, goes in the castle to stay because him and his servant don't have anywhere to shelter. And when they go into the, the castle, to, he, he's attracted to this one room where there's this beautiful portrait of this woman and he's captivated by it. And then he finds journals or something. It's been a while since I've read the story, but um, he finds the, it's the artist's notes and it's the, the Lord of the old Lord of the manor. And he literally 
as he painted his wife, he noticed she was getting sicker and sicker, but he couldn't stop. He was compelled and the painting drew, drew the life, which we see the reverse of when we get to like, you know, Oscar Wilde portrait of Dorian Gray. But so, I mean, even before, that's not a, that's not a vampire story unless you want to say the, the painting was vampiric in some nature. It's a really great, compelling story in its own right. But yeah, I, I think that's why we do get it. You can adapt it however you want. I mean, how many times have we seen stories where, you know, I have the ability to heal people, but then that has to be paid somehow else. Is that a vampiric nature? Well, it can be if we want it to be. Yeah. So I think you're right. We can adapt it to be whatever we want it to be. And, you know, you can have... Well, we do that with all monsters. Yeah. 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 I mean, but I think it's easiest with vampires because you don't have to play logic. Like, in theory, if you read Frankenstein, Frankenstein was at its best trying to actually use somewhat medical science, right? Like, oh, we do know there's pulses. We do know there's electric. We Okay, we can kind of... Dracula's not worried about that. Stoker doesn't stop halfway through going, let me walk you through the science of how this... No, it's superstition, and that's fine, and we let it run, because it's a heck of a story. Yeah. We'll forgive anything if you give us a good enough story. Just like for years, I've been believing that Chad, you know, isn't really a, a demon. <laughs> I don't think that's I'm telling you, I'm... It's liver failure. These Stop. eyes are yellow because of liver failure. Stop coming into my dreams at night. It's called Leave me jaundice. Be. It's called jaundice. Leave me be. Leave me be, demon Chad. Leave me be. I'll get your soul. Listen, it's it's already double mortgaged. <laughs> All right, guys. We about ready to wrap it you up. You don't look yeah. this good if you don't give something away, Chad. <laughs> so I do want to end this episode on a very Dracula related uh, note. Uh, also, it's uh, bringing back something we talked about at the beginning. So let me just go with it, shall I? Shall we? Let Are me... you gonna play the Transylvania twist? Do I need to change the speaker view? By the way, that had 2,789,000 some views, which is more views than this show will ever get. Now that he used mask theme song. <laughs> you know what what's way, great about uh, uh, you wanted to make it a mask? What'd you say? You wanted to make it a mask episode? I made it a mask episode. <laughs> you know what's great Shout about out that? to Jared Greer, by the way, for texting me or was it Facebook? No, it might have been Facebook. I think it was because James put something maybe under it about giving a shit of like calling us dipshits for not going up to his place so that we could look at all the toys we've mentioned in our obscure 80s episodes. Yeah, no. <laughs> he owned them all. Hey, you know what's great about that mask theme, Chad? Yeah. It's smoking. <laughs> see, that's another masks show that had a cartoon. I see but see, the kids there. today, they'll appreciate my reference. They have no <laughs> idea what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> 
Well, they don't know him that way. They just know him as fighting Sonic the Hedgehog and drawing angry portraits of our president. By the way, uh, real quick, I know we were getting ready to wrap up. Sonic was way better than it had any right to be. I enjoyed that. That's the review everybody gives it. Oh, man, I'd like, I'm sorry, Chad. Cover yours if you need to. Mario Brothers sucks. (laughs) But. Chad, but but Sonic was a delight. I, I mean, like I said, <laughs> don't rush out and watch it. But if you gotta watch something with your kids, like even Dana laughed a couple times, and and she hates Joy. <laughs> yeah, I she, guess Adam Sandler called him up during the movie to thank him for for it being funny. Oh my! Because okay. he was watching it with his kids or something. Yeah, I, I literally carry up. Adam Sandler was watching the movie while he called Jim Carrey oh up, complimenting. At first, I was like, I don't know. I mean, Jim Carrey, I like Jim Carrey. I just didn't think of him as a robot. And the way he plays him, and he even said he usually doesn't do sequels. He goes, I'd play him again. It's fun to pretend you have a you know triple-digit IQ and still can't relate to anybody. <laughs> and he goes, and it's also the most acting I've ever done. <laughs> but it was, I had a blast with it. Uh, so, you know, Sonic, I, it's, it's, I mean, it's not going to change the way you see film. But as far as video game adaptions, it's right up there, Silent Hill. Two very different movies, by the way. I don't know. I had a blast. Laugh my ass off. That one guy with that triangle head. Anyway, so to wrap he it up. to fit in that, in that elevator. This is episode one. Of, this is the history of Dracula. Uh, episode two is going to be some of our favorite and least favorite favorites. Dracula movies. Least favorite. What? We got to put least favorites because I will tell you both. I have a doozy. <laughs> that you don't like that other people like no 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 just a doozy of a dracula, inter, a, a dracula i have them all pulled up i was looking at them earlier today all right thank you so much for listening to bonehead share us and we are out Uh-huh.